0: This is Tanya Lynn and Laura Swan with the Sistership Circle Podcast. From spirituality, sexuality, and sisterhood to business,
1: relationships, contribution, and creativity, the Sistership Circle Podcasts
0: introduce a new model of feminine
1: leadership where women get to get real and vulnerable about it all. Tune in for authentic advice that will empower you to be bold, beautiful, and brilliant as your true self.
0: Okay, welcome, welcome. I'm Tanya Lynn. I'm Laura Swan. And we are so excited to dive into the Sistership Circle podcast today with a very, very special guest. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about her and then actually um, how I was so drawn to um, reach out for this interview with her. Sarah Avon Stover is a teacher of feminine spirituality and empowerment, best-selling author, and founder of The Way of the Happy Woman. She graduated um, Phi Beta Kappa and Summa Cum Laude from Columbia University's all-women's school, Bernard College. After a cancer scare in her early 20s, she moved to Thailand, where she embarked on a decade-long healing and spiritual odyssey throughout Asia. She has since gone on to uplift the lives of tens of thousands of women worldwide. The creator of Reversing Our Curse, the She School, and the world's first women's yoga teacher training, Sarah has been featured in Yoga Journal, The Huffington Post, Newsweek, Natural Health, and on ABC, NBC, and CBS. Her new book, The Book of She, Your Heroine's Journey into the Heart of Feminine Power, is now available. And that is really what had me find Sarah and was just so blown away and devoured this book. So I highly recommend after watching or listening to this, that you check out that book and get your copy because it is an absolutely profound moving experience, um, written experience of her life. And just, it is one of the books of our time. I seriously believe this. So, um, yeah, welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for being with us today. We're just thrilled to have you here.
2: I'm honored to be here.
0: Mm. And the first question we wanted to start with um, is she, the book of she. Who is she?
2: She is the great mystery.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that is really the Divine Feminine Principle is, is the mystery. And we can't see her, we can't touch her, we can't hear her in the way that we're used to hearing, and yet she permeates everything. She, she is aliveness, she is life, she is grace. She is what sustains us, what nourishes us, what destroys us, what recreates us. So she exists at both the macro and the micro levels. The macro being just the, this larger force, benevolent force that is guiding us. And the micro internally, which I call our inner she, it's our inner guidance. So what some women might call her her inner wise woman, her inner knowing, her intuition, her feminine soul. It's that deep, timeless, eternal part of each woman that knows what she needs in order to evolve and even if that's going to be something very harrowing like leaving a relationship or embarking on a new career or it's walking away from something that feels so right and so comfortable but at a certain level it's not where we're supposed to be
0: So beautiful, just so poetic in, way, in the way that you speak that. And I've just been feeling that resonance um, within my own life of connecting more and more with She. So thank you for that.
1: So, your book, The Book of She, um, is where you really are able to express exactly what you did and how this has been a part of your life. And it's about the heroine's journey. So can you briefly share what that is? What is the heroine's journey for women that maybe have never heard of it? I know it's hard to condense it, but if you could, what would you share?
2: Sure, it's the female rendition of Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey, which he articulated in the mid 1900s, which was really a man's path to wholeness and empowerment. And since so much has changed in the world, especially for us as women since then, here in 2016, we need a revised updated roadmap for our own becoming that includes both a journey to psychological wholeness and to spiritual freedom. So through the heroine's journey, we move in a circle and we begin and end at the same place. We begin at a, in our ordinary lives and usually it's a crisis that calls us into an initiation through a choice point, a choice point to see that not as a way to be a victim or a way to fall into despair or misery. Of course, those might be flavors at different times, but to choose to be a heroine and to step in and say, this is here for me to grow and to evolve and to learn some really, really hard life lessons. And then there's a series of, many initiations along that journey of going deep inside to the underworld meeting disowned parts of ourselves having a reckoning with our depths and then a rebirth and then coming back and reclaiming the bright wonderful beautiful ecstatic bold parts of ourselves and then returning home and sharing those gifts with our community with the world in the way that is right for each woman.
0: And so as you've gone through, I'd love to hear a little bit about your own heroine's journey. And, and you, you talk about this in the book, but um, some of the most, what were some of the most potent parts for you, the, the defining moments of your own heroine's journey? Mm.
2: Well, the heroine's journey lasts for our entire lives. <laughs> and the more committed we are to our awakening, to our healing, the returning to wholeness, the more intense different initi- initiatory cycles can be. So my stepping onto the path of consciousness, of being a conscious woman, a conscious mature woman, or becoming that, was, it was when I was 20. I had cervical dysplasia. It was almost on the brink of becoming cervical cancer, and that was really my first wake-up call, and set me off to live in Thailand for a decade, as you read in my bio, and led me to write my first book, The Way of the Happy Woman. And then the book of *She* began as I was writing The Way of the Happy Woman. It makes sense. You know, as one drawer closes, another one needs to open, and I had... The confluence of some really challenging situations. One was I started to have visitations from Mary Magdalene. And I say that's challenging because it completely challenged my worldview, my sense of self. It was very confusing. Feedback I was getting from certain male spiritual teachers was that I was just being neurotic and I needed to get back to my real practice. And at that same time, I also had a really bewildering uh, research of my bulimia, which I thought I had healed at least a decade earlier through all the work that I did to create my first book. And gratefully, my teacher in feminine spiritual practice helped me to reframe both of those things as a tremendous opportunity. And slowly I began to see, well then, through my own journey in that healing over it was a five-year period, I started, I lived through each of the phases of the heroine's journey and then went on to, to teach it.
1: Thank you. Um, now it's hard to pinpoint this, because I know you're, it's, as you shared, it's constantly occurring through our whole lives, but where would you say you are now in your heroine's journey? Thank you. I
2: am unexpectedly back at the crisis point. Um, a few months ago, my former fiance and I separated and I've been in a intense process of destruction, dissolution, um, just major, major life transition, just moved into a new place and rebuilding, rebuilding a new life, a new sense of self. And it's very humbling and very fertile, and this is why we kind of need to be careful what we teach. <laughs> and for whatever reason, my books seem to come with some sort of my you know my new bodies of work seem to be born in me through some sort of a crisis, and I'm I'm constantly being called to deepen my insight and deepen my understanding of the ways that we as women suffer and how to make that suffering, um, the word that keeps coming is fertile. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I just want to honor you for just sharing that um, and being in your vulnerability. I mean, that's the work that we're doing here in circle. And I just so relate with what you just shared of I'm right back at that place of crisis and after having a baby and now really integrating work and baby um, and Laura be right there. It's just like so many of those old places that I'm like, Oh, I thought I was past that. And I I just love how you're sharing with the women listening right now. Like you can be right back at the place of crisis and that's, that's perfect. You know, like that's part of this whole journey here. And we, yeah, it's,
2: like- it's, a, it's a map, but it's also we don't have control over it. And life, we need to trust that the life that's constantly moving towards us is a life for us to meet. And in that way, yes, the heroine's journey is a circle, but as I also teach in the book, it's, it's chaotic. So we can be jumping around. You know, I, I did not see myself in this place even five, six months ago, but it is, the, it is a beautiful place. It is the right place for me. Yes, it's very painful. Yes, I'm in a deep grieving process, but it's, it's totally right. And this is what the heroine's journey also gives us confidence for, is that pain isn't wrong. Pain isn't bad. Pain isn't going to kill us. It's, like, it's the stories that we put onto it, the resistance that we have to it. But it's the pain that deepens us, that wisens us, and that helps us to grow up and and learn really important things about how to live, how to love, how to be fully
1: ourselves, how to be whole. Hmm. You know, another thing that we, I know Tanya is a beautiful model of this, and I'm learning more and more so how to be myself, but is, leading through your vulnerability. And um, you just modeled that right there, what you just said. And I'm wondering for you when you are in this place where I imagine there's times you really want to draw in and just be in your place of um, internal, you know, that's a, it takes you to a very internal place to go through such a life transition. So how do you manage your role as a leader and a voice for women and knowing that there's a part of you that is very out there when you're in those times. How do you find that balance when you know you really need, when you need the inward time?
2: Mm. Well, I'm grateful that during this particular stretch of grieving and transition, I've mostly been um, pretty much like 98% have been back and and just in my process. And this is really my first interview. This is like my first work day in my new home. This is me turning a page. And I'm grateful that I have a team, a really, really strong team that can keep things running. And I I can just go down to the bare minimum of what I need to do to show up and keep playing along. So it's definitely, we need time and space for grieving and for healing and to do that privately. And we need a lot of support. So support professionally, support personally. I'm so grateful for my community, for my girlfriends, for just the incredible network of support that I've received. And to see how much I've put into building all of these things and, and how we can all see that in our lives is when there's these times of crisis, we can see all these things that we've been working so hard for, putting so much effort into our careers, putting so much effort into our friendships. And it's during those times when we can really start to receive the benefits of that. And it's, it's very, it's a gift to just be able to sit back and receive.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is, I, I would love for us to talk about this self care that I feel is one of the greatest things that you model and you teach. And I just, you know, from the time that I met you and you were going on your solitary retreat, and um, just, I, I feel like you really modeled this of how do you really have that exquisite self care and, and lead your life in your business from like this place of like deep practice of taking care of yourself. And right now, I mean, you just, you just shared that. And so I'd love for you to share a little bit about um, how do you maintain that boundary and how do you create that, that feminine flow and that self care within your life? Like what are some of the practices or some of the things that you can um, share with women who are struggling with this piece, like where they're, they're not giving themselves the time that you really give yourself.
2: Right. Uh, it's important to create speed bumps in our days and in our, in our calendars so that we have these times in our lives where on a regular basis we're forced to kind of slow down and, and look around and see, okay, so what's happening here? How how are things going? Because it's easy for us as women to get into a needless, wantless place. And the shadow side of that is also that then we can become incredibly needy in an unhealthy way, expecting other people to fix things for us. And so it's really important for our own sovereignty to even just in a really simple way on a daily basis, it's something I call a four-part check-in. And I write about it in both of my books, but it, it takes less than five minutes. When you get adept at it, you can do it in your head. Although I find it more helpful to actually write it down in a journal or just a scrap of paper. And it starts with the, the level of the body. So to do a body scan and just notice what's going on in my body, sensations, chronic things, acute things happening. And then from there, what, what does my body need today? So listening to the need and then going to the level of feelings and the mind. So noticing the content and the state of the mind and then our she or our soul or intuition. And it's good to do this in the morning because then it's up to us to be a good parent to ourselves, to be a responsible adult woman and actually give ourselves the things that we need at those four different levels from innermost to outermost. So that's an important thing. And then that's one little speed bump in the day. And then if you can have like an end of the week check-in, a monthly check-in, a seasonal check-in, a yearly check-in, how am I doing, what's working, what's not working. And I prefer to do those in the form of a retreat. So time when I can step back from the hustle and bustle of life, And unplug from my devices and just unwind, decompress from the stress of daily life, which is unavoidable. And to quiet down my inner world enough that I can actually gain new insights into how to do things better, what's next, what's out, what have I outgrown? And this way it's like it's like we're we're constantly weeding our inner garden. And if we don't have those little checkpoints, just, it just gets really wild and overgrown. We all know that feeling. And it's not bad, it's just part of being human, it's part of being um, a mature, dynamic woman. But to, to keep sanity, we, we, we really need these little pockets to tend the inner garden.
0: What would you say is the number one block for women in creating that for themselves?
2: Believing that we don't deserve it.
0: And how did you, did you have that come up for you and how did you overcome it? Or how did you really be able to um, maintain this practice and, and have it be just now integrated into who you are?
2: It's kind of like, you know, if you go to the gym, I like to go to the gym and Sometimes I lift weights or sometimes I take a Pilates class. or. But I liked, I liked that feeling of seeing how I get stronger, of seeing the effects. And that gives me confidence and it makes me want to keep doing it. And the same is true with tending to my inner world, is that I've been a devoted practitioner now for 20 years. And in the beginning, it was very hard to force myself I literally had to force myself to sit down and meditate or get on my yoga mat or go on retreat. But over time, I started to see how much better it made everything. It didn't mean, doesn't mean that it made, made things easier necessarily. You know, life's challenges still come, but I had the tools to meet it and it helped me to show up more in relationship, helped me to work more with with my mind, with challenging emotions, with feeling better in my body. And it's just that when we do it and we witness and experience the results, we know that it's, it's non-negotiable after a certain point. And that we're just not our best when we exclude it. Just like I don't feel good if I don't move my body, if I don't go to the gym or you know, get out for a hike. It's just, it's just, now it's non-negotiable for me. I need it to, to thrive.
1: So another piece that um, is not everybody's favorite topic, but it's something we sure love to dive into is uh, the dark side and the shadow. And um, this could be, you know, for you, how have you in your own practice learned to dance with the shadow when you meet her? You mm. could even say a little bit about your perception of what the shadow is.
2: Sure. Our shadow is undigested, unassimilated parts of ourselves, parts that were usually disowned at a very early age, usually before the age of seven. And by definition, we can't see it, but it comes out in relationship. This is why we need relationship of all sorts to to show us back, you know, what are we doing that we don't notice that we're doing. One of my teachers says, If you want to know, if you want to see your shadow, look at the wake that you leave, look at the ripples of what. The effects of your behaviors of body, speech, and mind. That that's your shadow. So the shadow isn't bad. It's a place for us to start to look to see this part of me needs healing. This part of me needs attention. And rather than doing what is so tantalizing on the spiritual path, and for us as women, you know, we're we're really conditioned in this way to fix, to perfect. lift up out of to transcend and so I've you know I have a lot of issues with perfectionism I'm way better now than I used to be but it's going to be a lifelong pattern that I'm working with because it was so it was such a strong survival mechanism for me as a girl if I could just be perfect then I will be loved I'll be accepted I'll be safe and at a certain point in my life that started to become very toxic very controlling, very constrictive. I know, I know we can all relate to this in our own way. So when shadow comes up, it's, it's a sign that we need support and we need to attend. And usually we need some sort of therapeutic or mentoring empathic container to see how old is this part of ourselves? What do they need that they have never gotten? and how can we how can we slowly learn to to parent this part of ourselves and maybe they'll never fully grow up but so that they can be more more of a functioning part of our inner family so when our messiness comes up when you know when our our meanness comes up or whatever it is our addictions our, our the ways that we're immature and that we lash out or we shut down we all have our own different modes it's a really a call to attend, to be compassionate, to be really courageous, and to know that this limitation is, is our next opening. Inside of it is the pearl of a great strength that we have yet to uncap.
0: I think that's one of the best definitions of the shadow I've heard, mm-hmm. just the articulation that you... beautiful. Oh my. We do a lot of shadow work, um, especially with ar- archetypes and, um, and goddess work. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, Mary Magdalene has come to you and you talk a lot about her in your book. So I'm just wondering if you can share a little bit about who Mary Magdalene is to you and how she's impacted you on your journey.
2: I don't fully know who Mary Magdalene is to me. It's, <laughs> I think it's a lifelong relationship and investigation. At different stages of my life, she means different things. So when, like the story that I share in the beginning of the book of She, that meant a very different thing to me than, you know, when I finished the book of She, than, than I feel now. And so where I am today is that, you know, Easter was just a couple of weeks ago. And Easter is, we hear about Jesus's resurrection, but we don't hear about the woman or women who actually witnessed that. And we can assume, you know, different texts say that Mary Magdalene was there. We could assume that Jesus's mother was there. There is no that I know of, artistic rendition of this resurrection. But it really is a example of the feminine mystery that we started talking about earlier. It's, I mean, how does resurrection happen? You can't paint it. You can't, you can't depict it. It's a magic. It's, it's a magic. It's a miracle it's a very feminine realization and it was something in what I feel in my heart is something in this deep witnessing of Mary and possibly other women of, of Jesus' intense suffering like physical human suffering like the, the willingness to take that fully in to breathe that, that grief fully in all the way without resistance so that it could become something else. Because whenever we feel pain, when we don't attach our story to it, there's like a scintillating edge of bliss in it. And it's that bliss that is the seed of a new life. So today, in this particular season of my life, Mary Magdalene represents the humanity, the embodiment of the feminine mystery. And in that way, she's the ultimate heroine, at least as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I'm going for.
1: So in Sistership Circle, we, um, we focus on sisterhood and circle, surprise. Um, <laughs> and we would love to hear how in your journey and in your work, how has sisterhood and um, par- partnership in that way or co-creative partnership sisterhood and circle in particular how has that impacted you and and you stepping into your role as a leader how has circle and sisterhood impacted you
2: it's been it's been central it's been foundational um, I've always been a woman's woman or as a girl I was a girl's girl and grew up in a household with three sisters and I've always had this constellation of really close feminine support. And then that continued with girlfriends and through school, going to an all women's college and then going on to, to study and then to teach women's work. And I wouldn't be the woman that I am today without the support of of a whole circle of women around the world and in my work, the way the happy woman community, it's sisterhood is central. We, we all are walking our own path and doing our own work, but we're doing it in relationship. Because it's in relationship that we heal. We can't heal alone. We, we have to do it together. Our wounding comes from relationship. So these wounds can only be healed through our togetherness. So it's, it's pivotal, it's medicine, it's challenging, you know, in a women's circle, there's always women who trigger us, reflecting parts of ourselves that we've disowned, that we're uncomfortable with. And, and if it's a safe circle, we know that we can just kind of keep mirroring back so that we can start to, to take back those projections and bring them alive in ourselves. So I love that you're I love that you're so devoted to sisterhood and and circles as well.
0: Yeah, we recently stepped into partnership together, um, knowing full well that all of our stuff was going to come up all over again. (laughs) And it's been beautiful of looking at you know where where are we in competition and um, and really just looking at all, the, doing all the, the work, doing the work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the
1: sisterhood wound is for both of us such an important piece to heal for ourselves and in the work we do in the world. And it's exactly what you just spoke to. Mm-hmm. That, you know, in circle, like you said, women are going to trigger parts of ourselves that need to be looked at. So I love how you articulated that. As well, it's so central to what we believe and what we work on ourselves and what we're sharing with women that overcoming that and being aware of that is a huge part of our personal growth. Mm -hmm. So,
0: and I think an important piece, and it's almost like the quotable of this podcast is Mm -hmm. around like we heal through relationship, Mm -hmm. and we don't heal on our own. And sometimes it can look like for you right now with where you're at, of you're going inward and you're healing on your own, but actually you're surrounded by a, a huge support system. And you mentioned that, right? With your girlfriends and um, the the team beho- around you. And so sometimes it's like that going within to heal is you're, you're not completely taking yourself out, right? No, and during,
2: yeah, and during times like this, there's, I think I'm more in contact with community than ever before. You know, it's like I'm more in, yes, I'm stepping back from my public role, but in certain ways I'm more extroverted than I've ever been in my whole life because, you know, I'm talking to my mom at certain points like three times a day, which is usually it's like she's lucky if I call her once a week. But so in that way it can be really beautiful. Like there's a real deepening of friendships, of family relationships, and we can really see like who's there with us through thick and thin who can stand in the fire with us when, you know, when all everything gets burned down, those are, those friends are golden.
1: It's a testament to who you are too, that you have that around you. So I want to honor you for that.
0: Mm-hmm. It's beautiful
1: thank and you It shows what work you've done to take care of yourself. So thank, thank you. For-
0: Yeah, thank you for just being such a beautiful example of feminine leadership. Yeah, it's just,
2: this is real. You know, being a woman is is so amazing and it's so hard. And evolving and maturing is, is real. And the more that we can just support each other with it and lift each other up, and sometimes take the lead and sometimes be on the ground. <laughs> like, we're all in a different place. But um, the more that we can talk about what's really happening, the stronger we're all going to
1: be.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned your mentors a lot in your book. And I'm wondering what role they play. I think you mentioned um, so. Is it Sophia mm-hmm. one of your mentors yeah and how are they? how are you getting the support from mentorship right now in your, in your process mm-hmm. I think women would want to know that
2: yeah, well Sophia actually just left here right before the interview I had to shoo her out so I could come in here. Uh, she came over to um, to bless my new space and she's she's just on speed dial tech, lots of texts, lots of phone calls. And during these kind of crisis points, and I used to write about in the book with that particular crisis point five years ago, she's just been pivotal in helping me to cut away the fat and to see, to not, to not take like a victim stance and just to see what is here for me to own. And above all, what is here for me to grow into to see the opportunity to, to harness the opportunity. And that is then what I, what I strive to pass on to other women. Cause there's always so much opportunity when we're having a hard time. Um, so Sophia is pivotal um, in every way in my life and various other mentors who serve different roles, you know, different healers who help me with my body, whether it's acupuncture or massage or, I have an Ayurvedic MD that, um, that I really love, um, a great therapist and different spiritual teacher who serves a different role that I've been working with for over a decade. So we don't need to have just one, and I recommend we don't just have one point person, but just different people who offer different gifts and who can speak to different parts of ourselves and of our journey and offer reflection and support is is really important so we don't get stuck.
1: Wow. I just want to say I feel very honored that you took the time, um, that we are one of the first uh, interviews you've done in a long time, that's just such an honor and to be able to have a window into uh, where you are right now is it's so, it's such medicine to my heart and soul right now. And um, I'm sure it is to all the women that are listening. And for us also to be able to send you love and intention right now for where you are in your healing process is, is such a gift. Mm-hmm. So thank you for opening the window um, to where you are and, I just, it's the ripple effects of vulnerability are so healing. So thank you.
2: Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me in your beautiful circle.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, for women who are wanting to get to know you a little bit better, I don't know if you have a free gift offering for the ladies who are listening, um, how they can get in touch with you and explore your website. What would be the best thing?
2: Everything's at thewayofthehappywoman.com, and we're in the middle of a big remodel. I don't know when this is airing, but we're aiming to have our new virtual temple up um, around May 1st. So there, there you'll see everything that you could want to know about me and our sisterhood and just getting acquainted with us and, and getting support for your journey home to yourself.
0: I love that virtual temple. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> And in closing, is there. What does she want to say in closing today that wants to speak through you?
2: I've been um, cultivating a new relationship with Kali. Mm -hmm. I never really had a relationship with her other than just conceptual. This is a real, like, visceral experience with her. And that violence is part of the creative process. So the heroine's journey, it can, starting, it can, it feels violent. It's it's jolting. It can be just a massive letting go. And to know that the impulse behind that is not, you did something wrong or this shouldn't be happening. It's, it's, it's tremendous love. It's like this is being destroyed so violently because you are so loved, because you are love. And we don't hear that and we need to, we need to tuck that away for those moments when we're going to need to remember that because we all are, again, more than once going to need to remember that. That's the truth of life. Things are born and things die. Everything has a beginning, middle, and end. There's no getting out of that.
0: Beautiful. Kelly has been my main goddess since 2006. And oh, wow. you named my daughter after her. Okay, wow. <laughs> well,
2: I guess I'm in the right place then to
0: totally. with her. <laughs>
1: My daughter is Luna after the moon. So mm-hmm. between the two of them, we're just, we're just totally
0: feminine Out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have
2: both, you have both poles covered.
0: Yes. They're about a year apart and playing together in the other room, and growing up together. It's, it's really I love cool. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Doing it. That's what it's about.
0: Two little empowered feminine leaders. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much from the bottom yeah. of our heart for just being you, being real, being raw and vulnerable, and just sharing your gifts, being the model of true feminine leadership. We thank you and honor you thank for being you so much. Incredible interview. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs>